<laughs> we'll go ahead and get started. Yeah, welcome to Bible study. It's good to see everybody. Missed you all last week. We missed you too. At least I did. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it was sunny and warm where I was and nice. Yeah. But still, something about getting together. You know. I like it. So we're going to go ahead and get started tonight. Uh, just ask God's blessing on our time. So let's pray. Father, thank you for another opportunity to gather. We pray your revelation and understanding tonight. We ask God that you would teach us and that you would uh, really add to us, add to our faith, add to our understanding, add to our revelation uh, about you and who you are. I pray tonight that we'd be open to receive of you. I pray that we'd lay aside anything that would hinder that. I lay aside things that are in our brains that are, have crept in or things that are occupying our thoughts. And I pray, God, we could lay some things aside right now in order to leave ourselves open and ready to receive of you. So, God, actively in our minds, we set some things aside for the next hour or so. And we ask you, God, that uh, we'd be just open and ready and ask that you would speak into our hearts, into our lives. I just ask God that we'd be ready for whatever revelation you want to bring, whatever challenge you want to bring our way to change. I ask you, God, that we'd respond to you tonight for asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, we're going to open up to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you need a Bible, there's some on the table here. And uh, you can feel free to use a Bible tonight. If you need a Bible, you can always feel free to take the one you have. We obtain Bibles to give away. You're telling me that I shouldn't be offended when you leave? I won't be. I wouldn't have been anyway. I know. I know you're well enough to. Well, that's not offensive. Falling asleep. It's the soothing. I should make recordings for you so you can sleep at night. See, I, actually, actually, it's just the sitting still. It's, it's the the. No, no, Dave. It's my voice. It's the, it's soothing. the soothing, peaceful tones of my voice. Maybe you should take up hypnosis. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. Hypnotist. I'll have to look into that one. I could be a mesmerizer. Yes. Just as a reminder, if you'd like to participate in, in our Bible study and you're not physically present with us but listening on our podcast, you can go to a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word, and you can leave us a message. It could be a comment, a question, or anything you'd like to leave there, but we do encourage you to participate that way. Maybe something that God spoke to you during our, our time. Whatever you want to send, we'd be happy to hear from you and play that. So utilize that if you would. First Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. Somebody read that for us. 
Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in our in your faith. All right. Kind of an interesting verse there. Uh, you have uh, Paul, he's writing to the Thessalonians, he's writing to the church there, and he uh, he says something here, there's a couple of sides to what he says here. The first thing he talks about prayer, and and just as a, a kind of setting the stage for what kind of prayer he's talking about there, he's speaking of excessive prayer, excessive prayer, not just regular prayer, or not just you know, a lot of prayer, but excessive prayer. And he describes his praying night and day. But the literal translation, the word they use there is excessive. He is excessively praying. Which I think is kind of an interesting thing. And then the other side of that, he, he's talking about that he wants to add something to their faith. So there was something missing. That there was some some component that was missing. Now, the Thessalonians were considered to be a faithful people. They were considered to be a people of sound doctrine. They were considered to be a church that was more mature of the churches that Paul founded. And so you look at that and you think, you say, okay, well, what do they need to add? Well, he obviously was coming to add something. And and I think, interestingly, there, there's a, a lesson in there for us. There's a lesson in his word to the Thessalonians about adding to their faith that all of us have something that can be added to our faith. And I think that, that that's something we should really just keep open about and keep in mind about where we're at. I mean, seriously, whether we've been a Christian for a little while, we've been a Christian for a long time, there's always something to add. And so Paul is is making sure they understand that. So he's looking forward to seeing them. He wants to see them. And he's praying excessively for that, that he can find a way to get there. Now, one of the things that we know about the prayer that he's bringing here is that he's praying against some kind of hindrance that's going on. Uh, we don't know what the hindrance is. Somebody look at Thessalonians 2.18. If you'd look at that and read it. Thessalonians 2.18. All right, so what that's describing is a situation where, however you want to see that, they're being opposed. That the situation that Paul's trying to bring about, being there in Thessalonica, the situation that he wanted to be there to teach them, the situation that he had that he wanted to be able to go, was being thwarted by those that opposed it. And so to take the people equation out of it, there was some type of satanic hindrance, some type of demonic hindrance to him going and actually doing what he wanted to do. And that was to share with the Thessalonians, to, to teach them and to bring doctrine their way, to bring correction, to bring encouragement, all the things that he did. That's, that was his job. That's what he did. That's who he was. And so he wanted to do that, but it was being opposed. And so his answer to that was to pray ex excessively, excessively that the door would be opened. And so I think that's, that's interesting to us because it gives us a course of action. 
that when we are facing situations where it's not happening, well, what's not happening? Whatever. I don't know. Whatever's not happening, and we know in that situation that it's being opposed demonically, then we have a strategy that we can go forward in that is being presented to us here in First Thessalonians. That is to pray excessively about it. Now, there's a contrast to that. If you look in Acts 16.7, there's a contrast to this. And I do want to make sure that you understand that it's not that we pray excessively because we want it. You understand the difference between those things? Like you, you pray excessively because you're being opposed and this is something that God has willed. And you're going to keep praying about that and you're going to stay on that. But there are those things in our life that we want, perhaps, but that's not what we're talking about here. Because what we want and what God's will is and what's being opposed by the enemy those are different things, because there's certain things that you want that God doesn't give you, and that's for your own good. There's certain things I want God doesn't give me for my own good, or there's a different kind of timing that he's trying to bring about in something. So, Acts 16, 7, anybody have that? Mm-hmm. All right. So here you have a situation where they're trying to get into this place and the Spirit of Jesus didn't let them go in. Did they pray excessively about that? No. Well, they wanted to go there, though. They had plans to go there. They were, they were, they, they were definitely thought that that's where they were going. And they went all that way and they traveled all that way. They get to the border and they can't get in. And so the response at that border is different than the response with the Thessalonians. The response with the Thessalonians is to pray excessively. The response when they're heading into this town, into this province, was, oh, this is, this is the Lord. He doesn't want us entering in right now. The Spirit of Jesus won't let us go in. So they had a discernment about that. Why keep praying excessively then? See, prayer, in its essence, is the conforming of our will to God's will. That's what prayer is. And so if we're going to conform our will to God's will, and the Spirit of Jesus is opposing something, then what good does it do to excessively pray? In fact, it works against that, that process in us of conforming us more to God's will. You're praying for something and God says no. Right? I mean, we can keep going and keep going, or we can conform ourselves to His will, and we can come to a point in our life where we can accept that. And we can say, okay, not right now. Or maybe not at all. And be okay with that. And i, I got to brag a little bit. I was really proud of my daughter. Saturday night, we got back, and she came to me, she said, and she, she pulled everything on me. Daddy, Daddy. I'd really like to go see a movie. I was wondering if I could go see a movie tonight. And I said, well, who are you going with? Nobody. I'm just going to go by myself. I just want to see the movie. I'm like, all right, well, uh, no. I don't feel comfortable with it. And so, no. And she, she was a little disappointed. She's like, oh. And then, but she, you know, left, and that was it. So then last night she came, and she's like, all right, I'd like to go see a movie tonight. Would it be Okay. And it was earlier in the evening, like still light outside. And she, I said, where are you going? She told me. She told me what she's going to go see and everything. I was like, okay. 
And so part of me saying okay the second time was the way she reacted the first time. Because I understood something about her being willing to accept whatever the direction was that she needed to accept that night. And I didn't have to go into why. I didn't have to go into you know the reasons behind why I was uncomfortable with it or anything else. I just wasn't comfortable with it and that was it. And she was willing to accept that. So that gives me more confidence. Do you kind of understand what I'm saying here? More confidence that the next time she asks, then I might say, yeah. All right, so as we conform ourselves to God's will through prayer, I believe there's a growth factor that happens in us. I believe there's a maturing factor that happens in us. And I believe there's change that happens in us that brings us closer into what God has for us and who he wants us to be. And what you find after a little while, you're not asking for the wrong things anymore. And so you're not disappointed all the time. You're not asking to consume things upon your own lust, as the Bible says. And so you're not you know, feeding bitterness in your life. Because you're asking for selfish and stupid things. And God just keeps saying no, because it's for your own good. And so instead of feeding a bitterness, instead of feeding something in you that's saying, well, he never does anything I want him to do. Yeah, he does what he wants to do. And as we come into line with what he wants to do, and we, we, we put ourselves in that kind of a position, we stop feeding the bitterness in us. Because yeah, he, he doesn't do what we want him to do all the time. That's right. In fact, when we find ourselves asking for things that are according to his will, then everything we ask is done. Then it's like you can't go wrong. But we got to find ourselves in that place. And so Paul is demonstrating that here. He's in a, he's in a spot where I want to come see the, the Thessalonian church. I want to go to Thessalonica and, and visit the church there. And he knows that that's God's will. He knows that's what God has for him. And he also knows he's being opposed. However you want to see that he is being opposed demonically from going and seeing it. So there's a situation. I'm going to pray excessively, abundantly, exceedingly. That's how I'm going to pray. And I'm going to keep praying until the door opens. That's when you pray for the door to open. When the Spirit of Jesus is opposing you, That's not when you pray exceedingly and excessively for the door to be open. Because you're just going to be upset about it. And you're going to be disappointed. And it's going to feed a root of bitterness in you. Don't put yourself in that position. I'm a big believer in fasting and praying. But we need to get a hold of God on things. And there are times where I don't know. I don't know, and, 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 you know, I'll pray and I'll fast. Like, people are sick, for example, especially people that are close to me. I, it's hard for me to hear something else. I'm just going to keep praying, I'm going to keep fasting, and I'm going to keep going until it's done. They're either healed or they're dead. Because I, I have a hard time hearing that. That's honestly, I do. But there are other times where I, I can remember, and I've told this story before, I was, visiting a hospital with a pastor. I was out in eastern New York, uh, east of here anyway, and south of Albany. 
And I had been doing some meetings with this pastor, and he's like, would you go to the hospital and pray with me? One of our longtime members of the church is sick in the hospital, and uh, I know you have a healing anointing. Would you go pray with her? I'm like, sure. So he went to the hospital, and he introduced me to her and everything, and I prayed for her, and we're walking out. He's like, what do you think? I'm like, I think she's going to be dead in a week. He's like, what, what do you mean? You just prayed over. I'm like, yeah, I just did that, but I'm telling you, I think she's going to be dead in a week. He's like, why? I'm like, she smells of death, was my answer. Now, I don't know this woman. I didn't know her at all. And so it was easy for me to discern that. It wasn't that I didn't pray for her. I did pray for her, but it, I just knew. And so he asked me honestly. I told him. He was really upset with me for telling him that because he knows her. And I suppose I could have been a little more diplomatic about it, but I hadn't learned that yet. All right, I was still maturing myself to be able to speak something like that to somebody without being rude or without being offensive, because that was fairly offensive. And, and so he got me, you know, six months later, I saw him at a conference, and he came up to me, he's like, hey, you know that woman you prayed for in the hospital? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, she's doing great. I'm like, wow, all right. I said, those are, and I looked at him, I said, that's the occasion you want to be wrong, right there. He's like, I'm just kidding, she died within a week. <laughs> and I don't know if he just wants to see my reaction to it or something or what, but he's like, you're right. <laughs> I deserve whatever I got, because I was rude to start with, all right? But all I'm saying is, is that, you know, you got to get a hold of God on things. And so there are those moments you have a hard time getting a hold of God, and you're going to pray in faith. You're just going to pray. And you're going to do whatever you need to do, because that's what you do. All right? But a lot of things in life we're not that close to. And especially things like things that are like inanimate, okay? I'd really like a new car. Well, good for you, yeah. Get a hold of God on that first, all right? I'd really like this, I'd really like that. Or I'm thinking about a new job. Well, think about it, but get a hold of God on that. You know, before you start exceedingly praying and, and, and whatever for this new job, make sure you're not where you're supposed to be right now. So you're not disappointed and upset when you don't get the new job. And bitterness doesn't rise up in you. Get a hold of God on that first. I think a lot of things we can get a hold of God on and we can pray. I really do, I believe that. And, and there may be those times that, that we pray something and, and it's from our heart. All right. And I think of those times. Like I think when I'm praying for somebody that's sick, that's close to me, I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, take this cup from me if it be possible. He knew it wasn't. And how do you end that prayer? Nevertheless, not my will, yours be done. But he said what he needed to say. But he didn't say, your will be done and end that and then get all bitter about it. He embraced his future. He embraced the purpose that God had put him there for. He embraced the plan that God had. And he went to the cross. And he did what he was supposed to do. And so I'm not even negating here to share in your heart with God. Share your heart with God. But what I'm trying to keep us from is being a people who are bitter over the wrong things. Over anything. Because what's right to be bitter about? But, but living a life of bitterness. We just don't want it. And those things that, there's some things is God, some things is not.
Some things is will, some things is not. Some things we're going to pray in faith for, and they're not going to come to pass. Some things we're going to pray in faith for, they are going to come to pass. We need to learn from those things. We need to grow from those things. So Paul is here, he's praying exceedingly. You see, that excessive prayer is, we obtain faith, but it's also a means of, of increasing and confirming our faith. You know, you think about when you came to know Jesus, you probably prayed, right? And you came and you obtained your faith that way, like through faith and, and through prayer. Alright, that's how you did. But you're also going to sustain your faith and you're going to increase and confirm your faith through prayer too. Faith comes by, you know the rest of that verse? Hearing. hearing. And that's even hearing yourself. That's hearing others and hearing yourself. It's hearing God speak through people. It's hearing the word of prophecy. It's hearing the scriptures. Even if you're reading it, you're hearing it. It's in your brain somehow, right? So faith comes by hearing. And so we, we understand that it's through that we also increase and confirm our faith. And so he talked about how he was praying and what did he say in that verse in 1 Thessalonians 3.10? How was he praying? And how else? Earnestly. And how else? Excessively. Anything else in there? Okay. So earnestly, the word there, okay, if you, if you translate that literally, literally, earnestly, it says, we joy while we pray. We joy. Now I know that's not no good English. Okay. But we joy. We joy while we pray. So not only was he praying excessively, but he was also praying earnestly would be honestly, but the word is better translated with joy. With joy. We joy while we pray. You could say, I guess you could, we could use the English word rejoice while we pray, but we joy while we pray. And it's 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 kind of interesting is if you think about if you could make joy a verb, we joy. It's not a verb, but if you think about it, it's like joy is happening as we're doing it. Doing what? Joy. What is that? We're not thinking of something that makes us joyful. We're not remembering anything joyful. We're not. That's not what this is talking about. This is actually going about our business and through going about our business of prayer joy is being made it's happening we're living in it we're experiencing it and we're in the midst of joy in the midst of what we're doing so here you have paul then this is such a great picture of what this is it's such a great picture of the intercession you got paul saying i'm being opposed by the devil you got Paul saying that, that I've got these forces working against me. I really want to get this done, but I'm being blocked from doing it. So I'm praying excessively about it. But, but we don't get the impression from the words there he's being frustrated by it. He's, he's actually being joyful in it. Joy is being created through this excessive prayer. Joy. He's praying against uh, Satan's hindrance. I mean, you think about warfare prayer and, and how that serious that can get sometimes and loud and stuff. Well, joy in, in the model that we're seeing here 
The model that we're looking at with the Apostle Paul, he's doing warfare prayer. He's interceding. He's working against the works of the devil here. And the way that it's happening is joy is springing up in the middle of it. All right. So so that's something to me that, that's something we need to take a note on in our own hearts and minds about how things get done spiritually. Because he's getting things done spiritually. If there was one guy in the New Testament getting things done spiritually, Paul was at the top of that list. He was getting it done. But he was getting it done, at least through this excessive prayer, he was getting it done Well, we joy while we pray. It's good to have joy. It's good to be joyful. And, and it doesn't mean we're not serious. It doesn't mean we're not accomplishing anything. In fact, it's the model we have to defeat the enemy. To do it in joy. So what's missing in your faith? Is that kind of an interesting question? Okay, you could say more. But what, what would be missing though? Like if we were to say, okay, I'm going to add to your faith. What, what? Add what? More faith. Okay, what else? Is it really more faith though? Here, this is why I'm going to say that. How much faith do you need to move a mountain? So you don't need much, right? So, so faith is kind of that interesting thing that it doesn't really take a ton of faith. We, we could, we could get more faith, but we need to use what we have. We have a mustard seed that can move a mountain. We have that. So, so part of asking for more faith is, I think, turning that back around and saying, well, what can I do to use the faith that I have? Right. Heal my car. Right. right. I, don't, I don't have that. So maybe having that more is having to pay for things that we don't have to pay Okay, so expanding where faith reaches into our lives? Right. Okay. That's what okay. Okay. I hear what you're laying down there. All right. I'm not sure I'm picking it up, but I'm hearing it. All right. I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, no, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just, you know, I, I think that, right. And I know that that's true in my life, too. I know there's certain things I have any problem believing for, and other things, huh, I have a hard time. But I don't know if that's an, a, a reapplication of faith to another area of my life, or if it's more faith. But maybe that mustard seed's good enough for every area. I don't know. Not just mountains. Might be good for everything. Yeah. Mustard seed of faith. You move a mountain with a mustard seed. I mean, that should that should raise somebody from the dead. Well, if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, so you probably just want to add 
Right. So, so Martha, you mentioned the Word of God. Why did you mention that? Was that you? Yeah. Okay, why did you say that? I, I just said it. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. Correct. And, and so, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So, when we say Word of God, we, we have a more expansive view of that, right? Than most people, I hope. That it's not just reading the Bible. Can you, can you follow what I'm saying? The, the Word of God can be, no, you can think about this in a bunch of different ways. You can think about this as the revelation of Jesus, even. The greatest revelation of the Word of God was in the person of Jesus Christ. And so, if you want to say faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, you can look at that and say, I need more revelation of Jesus in my life. To me, that's a valid statement. I want to hear Jesus more in my life. I want to hear what He's saying. I want to hear what He thinks about this. I want a closer relationship with Him. And so I want more of Jesus in my life. You can say that. You can say, yeah, I need to read the Bible more. Maybe that is what you need to do. Maybe it's the prophetic word. And maybe there's a word that God's bringing into your life through prophecy or bringing somebody your way or you're sitting under a prophetic presbytery or something to receive and hear what God is saying. Well, take it to heart. Maybe reviewing some of those files. Maybe reviewing some of the, the, the things that have been spoken over you every now and then. Looking at some of the notes that you've had of what people have said over you. Maybe that's part of hearing the word of God in your life. Maybe being able to discern when God's speaking to you is hearing the word of God in your life. There's a lot of ways God speaks. And so we don't want to limit that. We don't want to limit that to, oh, I'm going to open the book and read it. Although that's part of how he speaks. But we also don't want to limit to, well, I'm only going to go off his voice as, as I hear the still small voice. Well, there's more to how he speaks. And I think it's interesting that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that we have the Word as Jesus. And that is the greatest revelation of God ever. He is the expression of God in, in, in people form. And so wanting to understand more about God, wanting to hear more about Him, wanting to allow that Word more into us is asking for more of Jesus. And to know him better. So what good does the scriptures do for us? Why do we need to know more scripture? What's that? It renews our mind. It helps us to think differently. Alright, so you think about like healings. You want, you want to pray for people for healings. Why is it important that you read about Jesus healing people? What do you think? Hmm? He's the model and he did it, right? What are you going to do with that fever? Somebody's got a fever. What are you going to do with that? You're going to pray for it. How do you pray for it? Let's rebuke it in the name of Jesus. What do you do to the fever that uh, Peter's mother-in-law had? He rebuked it. Alright? So, so figuring out and looking at and reading over and over again. How did Jesus deal with this? How did he deal with the withered hand? How did he deal with the girl that was dead? How did he deal with the boy that was dead? How did he do all those things? Yeah, you read it and you see. You see how he dealt with it. How did he deal with deliverance? You know, what, what were the things that he did with deliverance? What can you learn from that? And if you're following me, you're thinking about it, it's like all of these situations that you see, all these power situations, what about the apostles? How did they deal with raising the dead? How did they deal with healings? 
How did they deal with all those things? How did God use them in that? That people that Peter's shadow even touched were healed? That Paul could do extraordinary miracles through praying over pieces of cloth? And those pieces of cloth would bring healing to people and deliverance? Right? Right. So there's something powerful about understanding that, something powerful about, about having that in our hearts and in our lives, to say, yeah, okay, this is how God works. <coughs> this is how God works. Period. Instead of just taking the word of whatever we're taking the word of, or whatever we've experienced, whatever we've seen, why don't we let God define how he wants to work through us? Why don't we let him show it to us? Oh, this is what you did that whole time? All right. Use me. This is how you use people? Use me that way. This is what you want to say? Say it through me. This is what you want me to do? Do it through me. This is the healing that you want to bring about? Do it through me. I'm open. I'm ready. God, use me. And let that fill our hearts and fill our lives. And so these words, to, to bring you something that to add to your faith, to make full ready, to put in full order, to complete whatever defects there are in your faith, to fill up anything missing. Those are some of the ideas behind this phrase as it's used in other places in the Scriptures. And so I'm going to add to your faith. I'm going to make you full ready. I'm going to put it into full order. I'm going to complete the defects that are there. I'm going to fill up anything that's missing. We're going to top it off. That's what he was talking about. We can find a few examples. Romans 9.22. We'll give you some more examples of this. Romans 922 okay the idea behind that is the idea of being fitted all right in other words like you're being prepared for destruction you're being prepared for wearing shoes how are you prepared for wearing shoes what do you have to do you gotta go to the store and you try them on you get fitted for your shoes okay you get fitted for pants you have suit you gotta get fitted for your suit all right prom dress you gotta get fitted for your prom dress maybe or wedding dress, or whatever it is you're going for. Like, I can't just go into a store and buy a suit. Can't do it. I have to put on everything. This thing has to be taken in. Things have to be shortened. I have to, whatever. I can't just go take a suit off the rack and wear it. I don't have the right kind of body shape for that. Can't do it. I have to be fitted. And that suit has to be made ready. Right, so that's 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 one of the ideas behind that. First Corinthians one ten. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. 
Okay, that phrase, perfectly united in mind and thought, is the same phrase that's being used here in 1 Thessalonians. With the idea of perfectly joined together. Galatians 6 1. And so the idea of restoration, the idea of being, what was the last part of that? Okay. The idea of restoration, right, is being prepared or being repaired. That's the idea behind this phrase. Same phrase again. All right. So whatever is deficient, whatever's missing, whatever needs to happen to change, okay, like the idea of fitting something needs to be altered, needs to be changed. Whatever it would be that would be make something perfectly joined together without any problems. Whatever it is that would be hindering that or whatever it is that, that needs to be repaired. So that's the idea behind this. And so Paul was saying, I'm praying excessively that I can get there in order to add to you what's missing. Or what's deficient. Or what needs to be fitted. Or what needs to be changed. Or what needs to be joined together. Or what's hindering the joining together. Or whatever it is. Whatever needs to be repaired. That's why I want to come to you. Now I find it interesting too that he needs to physically be there. I think that's really interesting to me. Because he could have written to him. He was writing them right then. He wrote two letters to him. But he knew that he needed to be present there. And that was important to them. And, and I don't know how to explain this in any other way, except for physically being present is important in the kingdom of God. It's just important that we actually need to be somewhere. You know, I, I learned that lesson a long time ago when I was trying to start up campus groups all over New York State. I was out in Fredonia. I'm like, well, I could do this from Fredonia. I could do this from anywhere. I'm just praying anyway. Asking God to raise people up. I'm praying that, that, that people would be moved on and all this other stuff. It doesn't matter where I'm located. But I was praying one day. God just spoke to me. He said, yeah, you need to go. Go where? Go on to the camp. Go wherever I tell you. Go to the campuses I tell you to go to. Pray on those campuses. Physically, actually be there and prophesy over it. And things are going to change. You'll see. And so I just got in the car and started driving. And I'd just go wherever you tell me, and I'd stop, and I'd pray on those campuses, and things began to change. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't understand why I needed to physically walk on the campuses. I don't know why I needed to physically be there. I don't know why it was important for me to drive around doing that. No idea. But it was important, and it was necessary. And for things to get going, it had to happen. And they're just those things like that. I believe those things that, that happen overseas, I think that those are things that have to happen. It's same principle. It's important that we're there. It's important that we take and we walk through the place. It's important that we're praying physically there. Because there's something that happens. And it's hard to explain. 
You know, we tried to convey that when uh, we have missionaries on the field and we have opportunity to go and pray with them, an opportunity to go and minister with them, an opportunity to go and, and to pray and walk with them and hear the vision or pray with their people or have a kinship or whatever it is that we're doing wherever we're at. But there's something important and there's something necessary about it. And I know that, uh, and I know Erin, when she was back in February, she tried to convey that somehow to the church. But I'm not sure that without any, any, any first-hand experience that people can really understand it. Because we've tried to convey it in the past. I mean, it's really hard for me to convey it because I'm usually the one going, and I just sound like a jerk. Like, thanks for sending me, it's a good thing you did. There's nothing to be happening unless I was there. You know, you sound like a jerk when you say that. But there's some truth to it. And I'm not saying necessarily there's absolute truth to it. I'm just saying there is truth to it. And Paul understood that. And he said, he's like, I got to get there so I can add to you what's missing. He had to get there. He could have written letters. It could have been done through intermediaries. He could have sent people back and forth or whatever it was, but that wasn't what needed to happen. Do you understand what needed to happen? Is that he needed to be there, and he needed to do the work that he was describing. That's what needed to happen. So not only is his presence better, it's necessary, and it's important. And so go back to the idea of what was lacking, what was, de- what was deficient. And, and I want you to think, well, what is it, was he talking about what was lacking in the church or in their lives or what was lacking to the church or to their lives? There's a subtle difference between those two things. Because we can talk about the deficiency as far as what was lacking in their life. Like what could they use? Maybe they could use more money. Maybe they could use a nicer building. Maybe they could use more people. Maybe they could use more whatever it was. That would be what was in. But what was lacking to them? And then think of it in these terms. Think of the idea of what could be added to the church that would make it stronger. What could have been added to the church that could make it better or deeper or more spiritual? And I want you to think in terms of knowledge, understanding, and revelation. Because really, that's what Paul was bringing. He wasn't going to bring more people with him. He wasn't going to bring a new building with him. He wasn't going to bring whatever it is that they might not have had. But he was going to bring something to add to them that possibly could change their existence. Right? Revelation, understanding, doctrine, teaching, whatever he was going to bring... That's what he was going to bring. Yeah, Howard. Yeah.
Think about how though think about how the apostle think about how Paul would activate that or could activate that. Or think about how even all right, and this is this is something I wanted to get to too, but think about how what what's he gonna add to them? It was gonna add revelation, he was gonna add word to them. He was gonna add understanding to them. And so we get back to our discussion about faith. The mustard seed of faith is enough to move a mountain. Alright? So, but how do we begin to expand that into other areas of our life? Well, we talked about, well, faith comes by hearing. So hearing is revelation. Hearing is understanding. Hearing is word into our life. Hearing is more of Jesus. What was Paul going to bring to them? He was going to bring that. The hearing. And so that's what was going to be added to them. Right? He's going to add to them more revelation. He's going to add to them more understanding. He's going to add to them a deeper revelation of who Jesus is. Now, the effects that could have would be to take whatever faith that they have and begin to apply that into new areas. Maybe take the faith that they have and begin to apply that into old areas they've given up on. But it wasn't time to give up on it yet. Maybe they take that faith that they had that whatever you want to describe it as and maybe it was applying it into areas they hadn't even thought of yet. They were going to change the city they were in. They are going to change the situation they found themselves in. To me, that's the important work of adding to. That's the important work of bringing the revelation. That's the important work of bringing the Word of God. That's the important work of bringing all of that to bring improvement. Again, not through just giving them a new building, not through somehow bringing a bunch of money and handing it to them. That wasn't really what he was going to do. They, those two things might have been things they were lacking. Some physical thing they were lacking, but he was bringing something that was going to add to them. That revelation and that understanding and that life that he can bring. Now, you think about Paul... How did he correct, how did he, how did he get people, or how did he correct churches? I'm just gonna throw this out there, because it's a good model for us. If you read, if you read through his epistles, he gives you a model on how to, how to see change happen. You ready? Here's his model. Number one, commend what's praiseworthy. Commend what's praiseworthy. Like even the Corinthian church, you think about Corinthian church, they had all kinds of problems. But he let them know that he was impressed that they were spiritual. He let them know that they were exceeding in gifts. He let them know that that, that God was using them and, and all the rest of that stuff. And then he brought the correction. So number one, you commend what's praiseworthy. Number two, you correct what's amiss. That's how he did it. That's how he brought change. Commend what's praiseworthy, correct what's amiss. It's a good model. But how is he going to grow it? He's going to add to it. Yeah. He's going to add to it. Because it's one thing to, to, to bring some correction. It's one thing to, to bring some change like that. But if you're going to bring growth and you're going to bring maturity, you're going to have to add to it. And that's what he was doing. And so I, I give you his model 
Uh, it's a good way. I mean, if you if you work with people and you want to see change in people, tell them something they're doing good. All right, let them know they're doing some good stuff. See, I have a hard time with this. I have to think. I have to really think about this because I have a super critical eye on everything. And so, you know, I'm looking at something and I, I see what I completely see what's wrong with it. But there's also really a bunch of good things going on too. So I have to always think about what's praiseworthy, what's good. Why don't you start with that one? And then just rip it to shreds. No. 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 And, and really, you know, you think about uh, ourselves. I mean, we don't, we don't like to be ripped to shreds either. And so, uh, I think the, I think Paul has a good model here. He said, you know, this is good. This is what needs some improvement. And this is how you can improve it. And he's working for change in that. But if, if we really want to see people grow, and we want to see people mature, we need to add on to them. And tonight, I suppose that's what I want to leave you with, is that if we're going to grow as a people, if you're going to grow as a person, you need to be added on to. And in order for you to realize you need to be added on to, you need to realize a couple things. One, you don't know everything. Right? So you realize your limitations, and you put yourself in a position where, yeah, God, could you add on to me? Please? Please? Could you add on to my life? Could you add revelation, word, understanding? Could you just add and put ourselves in that position for God to do that? And that's how we're going to grow and that's how we're going to mature. Now, as we started this thing off tonight, we're talking about prayer and, and really allowing. And I, and I believe that some of the things we talked about in prayer, I hope added on to you. I was hoping to start this off to give an example of what it means to be a person that you can get added on to. And I hope some of our discussion, some of the teaching about prayer, added on to your understanding of prayer. <coughs> added on to your understanding of how God works in prayer. Your understanding of how you're to respond in prayer. When you should pray excessively. And when you should turn around and go home. Because we looked at both of those examples. So when are we going to pray excessively? Devil's against it. I know God's for it. I'm going to keep pushing through. When do you turn around and go home? When the Spirit of Jesus opposes you. It's time to go home. Alright? And that way, we're not banging our head against the wall. We're not, we're not getting frustrated and bitter about anything. We're getting a hold of what God's will and God's purpose is. And we're just moving forward. And I even gave you an example. What if you can't get a hold of God on something? And you might pray in faith. That's true. You might. At least for a while. But I would dare say a lot of times God will send somebody your way and give you the mind of the Lord on something. If you're spinning your wheels long enough. That's my experience. That I might be praying, praying, praying. Somebody will come along. Maybe they're rude like I was. I smell death on this one, buddy. But I came along. God sent somebody our way. If we have ears to hear. If we don't know everything. If we're willing to be added on to.
Maybe we'll listen. Maybe. So I, I encourage you to take hold of that. It's just a kind of a, tonight's mini example and let God add on to you for that, all right? Even in prayer. Something that we all do, something that's familiar to us, but maybe God can add on to that for us tonight. And grow us and mature us in that way. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you care about us and you're looking for us to grow and you're looking for us to have more life and you're looking for us to live free of bitterness. You're looking for us, God, to live more in line with your will and your purposes. Looking for us, God, to pray according to your will. And looking for us, God, to, to really grow and, and just be more in you than we were. And so, God, tonight, thanks for that kind of care over us. And thanks for loving us like that. I pray that we would come into agreement with you for our maturity, we come into agreement with you for our growth, we come into agreement with you for your purposes for our life, and that God, if things aren't always going our way, we'd still come into agreement. If things aren't the way we want them to be, we'd still come into agreement. And I pray, Father, that we'd find a place of peace and rest in our hearts and our lives to, to come into agreement with you. And on the days that we need to fight, on the days that we need to, to pray excessively, on the days where we know we're being opposed and we're praying your will, God, I pray that we would be tenacious. And I pray, God, that we would not give up easily, but God would see things through. And so, God, I pray that you would raise us up as a people who are willing and able to pray things through, willing and able to, to just excessively express ourselves to you, willing and able, God, to, to move forward in our faith and to move forward in joy in our life. But also be willing to accept your will and your purposes for our lives and to find peace and rest in that too. So God, today, thank you. Thanks for adding to us. Thank you for sending people our way to add to us. Thank you, God, for putting us in positions where we hear your word and we're added to, where, Jesus, you reveal yourself and we're added to. God, where the prophet speaks and we're added to. Thanks. Let's pray that we'd be open and ready to receive all that you have. Now, we want to grow, and we want to be more, and we want to live in more peace and rest in our hearts and our lives. God, I pray that we'd take to heart what you're saying tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 amen.